Welcome in to the Chiefs Business Podcast. You are here with Andy and Gavin. And we are sitting here the night before the NFL draft is about to start. Now, as we covered in our last episode, the Chiefs won't have a pick on the first night of the draft, barring some sort of crazy trade up scenario. Ooh, ooh, I know, I know. What? Orlando Brown. Orlando Brown. That's correct. We use that pick to uh, get Orlando Brown, who will be our left tackle of the present and of the future. And because of that, we will not be picking on night one, which is Thursday night, uh, which will only include the first round. But we were able to secure uh, a second second round pick, which will be happening on Friday night. So uh, what we wanted to do with this episode is actually a couple of things. Number one, we're going to talk about uh, the positions we still need and where there are pockets in the draft that fit well um, and potentially some players that would be available uh, around the time that the Chiefs would pick. The second thing that we want to do is use the draft board that uh, I've kind of put together here and I've talked a little, uh, I will talk a little bit about um, and we are going to use one of the mock draft simulators. And Gavin and I will go through and uh, pick some players for the Chiefs, and we will see how the draft goes that way. So are you ready to get started, Gav? Booyah, yeah. Booyah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's get down to business. That, that joke is a, bit, a little bit, uh, a little bit, uh, ooh. It's All still right. good. It's still good. So what I have done is I have created a, a draft board, which if you uh, are not familiar, uh, essentially it is a sheet of paper that has the positions going across the top, and it's got the rounds going across the side, and you can go through and essentially stack the players um, by position and where they are graded as far as where you think they will end up going in the draft. So I don't have a ton of time to be able to do extensive research uh, on the grades for these different players, uh, nor do I have the expertise to do that. Uh, but I have gone through and I've watched several players. So I've got those players put where I think they should go. And a lot of the rest of the, the, the time or the rest of the uh, draft board is filled in with, uh, Dane Brugler's rank, rankings. So he's uh, he, he's the draft analyst for The Athletic uh, and pretty much by all accounts does a fantastic job uh, with his draft guide. It's called The Beast. Uh, it's very, very good, very, very in-depth. What? And uh, if you haven't had the chance to read it yet, I, I highly recommend doing so, um, especially if you're somebody who ends up buying a draft guide around draft time anyway, mm -hmm. the cost of an athletic subscription for one year is very, very similar to what you would pay for a single draft guide. And then you would still get an entire year's worth of sports coverage. Uh, and people do a fantastic job, uh, specifically around Kansas City sports. Uh, Nate Taylor is the Chiefs beat writer for The Athletic. He does a fantastic job. Seth Kaiser does film review for the Chiefs. He does a fantastic job. Alec Lewis does the Royals beat writing. He does a fantastic job. Uh, and that's not even to mention some of the other um, 
you know, national reporting that's done. Uh, it, it, it really is a, a fantastic value. Highly recommend it. Wow. So now that I've kind of explained the draft board, where it came from, I think we can go through and figure out um, where there are some good pockets at positions of need coming up in the draft and some players that I think that the Chiefs can target. So previously we've talked about uh, some of those positions in need. So just as a refresher, so before we jump into looking, taking a look at those positions, just a quick reminder of the draft picks the Chiefs have left. The first pick is actually in the second round, number 58 overall. It's the one they acquired in the trade with the Ravens that also netted them Orlando Brown. The second pick is also in round two, number 63 overall, and that was their original second round pick. Their next pick is in round four, number 144 overall. It's actually a compensatory pick that they received for Kendall Fuller, who uh, signed elsewhere last offseason. I got the last round. Number six. Uh, sorry, their fourth their fourth pick will actually be in round five, number one seventy five overall. Their next pick is also in round five, number one eighty one overall. It was a compensatory pick for uh, Emmanuel Ogba signing with the Dolphins, and the last pick is the sixth round. In the sixth round, number two oh seven overall. That was uh, acquired um, in a trade with the Miami Dolphins. So with that in mind, uh, we can start taking a look at some of the positions that we have needs at and see if there are any pockets of players that really make sense to see if maybe there's an area where we might start selecting some of those players. First need is wide receiver. We lost Sammy Watkins this offseason. We really haven't replaced him with anybody on the roster as of yet. So that is definitely a position that uh, we could see a draft pick being made. Now, specifically what the Chiefs are looking for is um, would be what's called an X-wide receiver. Uh, that's usually the larger um, larger wide receivers, a little bit bigger uh, height and a little bit more muscular frame. Yes, Gavin? Can I, can, I, can I say the one that I think we should get? Which one do you think we should get? So we have a pick in the... So we have a pick in the second round, right? We have a pick in the second round, right? We have two picks in the second round, but they're both kind of towards the bottom. Okay. So in the second round, I might go with Diami Brown. I'm so glad you said his name. That is one of the players that if he lasts until it gets to one of our second round picks, I want the Chiefs to draft him. So I think that would be an excellent selection. Um, But just to take a step back, this is a very, very deep wide receiver class um, with good players pretty much throughout. But there is an especially a good pocket in the second round uh, and just at the top of the third round, uh, according to the rankings. There are a lot of players that really could maybe not necessarily come in right off the bat and make a difference but definitely have the potential to come in and, and make a difference within our offense, uh, playing that X receiver spot. So Gavin uh, just highlighted one of my favorites, Diami Brown out of North Carolina. Um, he's uh, about six foot, six foot one. Um, 
currently he only uh, he, most of what he did in college was deep routes, but he has the athleticism and kind of the suddenness to be able to create separation through uh, the routes uh, that he hasn't had to run a lot of. So his route tree is kind of limited, really hasn't had to develop it that much yet. Uh, but it certainly seems like he's got the skill set to be able to do so successfully. And usually when Andy Reid um, gets wide receivers, he usually tries to get players who can separate uh, with their their athleticism and not necessarily people who can separate just because they are tall. Um, some other players in that range, uh, Amonra St. Brown out of USC, um, He's also a very, very good receiver. Doesn't have quite the athleticism that Diami Brown does, uh, but has been very, very productive at USC and also would be something that I would be happy with us bringing in. Wait, what? Who? What? Amonra St. Brown. Where? Where? He's at the top of the third round on the draft board. Oh, I see him. Uh, and then Tylen Wallace, who's out of Oklahoma State, He's definitely more of a physical wide receiver. Um, he's not so much uh, a super athlete, but he, when the ball gets near him, uh, he's kind of a vacuum. And uh, most of the time, if there's a ball that might be considered a 50-50 ball, Tylen Wallace will usually be the one that's coming down with it. And he, he uh, goes 100% in everything that he does. So he's a, a very, very willing blocker which I know that usually helps uh, receivers get onto the field in the Andy Reid offense. Um, so I think those three guys, uh, maybe also Nico Collins uh, out of Michigan, uh, I think those guys could definitely be somebody that we would be taking a look at with either the first or second, second round pick that we've got. Um, Nico Collins, uh, 6'4", 215, definitely kind of a very, very big dude. In college, he's as tall as you, and you're really tall. Yeah, he's faster than me, and he's more athletic than me by a lot. Wow. Yeah. So in college, uh, he was kind of a vertical deep threat. Um, didn't show a ton outside of that, uh, but there's not really a ton asked of the wide receivers in the Michigan offense. When he went to the Senior Bowl, so he opted out of the 2020 season and. Uh, because of the COVID and spent the time preparing for the draft. And in the senior bowl, which is the first time that anybody had seen him uh, since 2019, when the last time he had played with Michigan, he came out with a lot more suddenness. He had dropped about 10 or 15 pounds since the last time he had played. And he got his quickness was just a lot more evident than it was on tape. So if, if that quickness is, here to stay, and that's what Nico Collins is, uh, I, I definitely think he would be worth one of those picks as well. Instead of an eagle, is he a speed goal? Who said he was an eagle? Okay. Never mind. I'm just, I'm just rhyming here. Okay. So if you start taking a look at the end of the fourth round, which is where our next pick is, there are a few guys down there. Uh, Josh Palmer out of Tennessee. Cornell Powell. And Cornell Powell. He's out of Clemson. 
So Josh Palmer wasn't utilized a ton at the, in the Tennessee offense. They didn't have great quarterback play either. Um, he certainly seems to have the skill set that probably would be uh, a nice fit for the Chiefs offense, but didn't really have the opportunity to showcase it that much. Um, Cornell Powell from Clemson, he actually is really got his first opportunity to play within the Clemson offense this past season. He was a redshirt senior up until that point, hadn't really had a chance to you know, get on the field that much. But once he did get on the field this season, he made the most of his opportunity. So he is a big hulking dude. Um, I think he's only 6'1", but he is muscular as all get out. So he definitely would be more on the physical side. Uh, he's not that sudden of an athlete. Um, but, I mean, he, he's definitely got the, the stature that fits the bill. Um, one other guy kind of in that area is Tamarion Terry out of Florida State. Uh, Tamarion Terry is kind of similar to Nico Collins. Uh, they're kind of deep threats, uh, or they have been uh, throughout college. But the thing about Tamarion Terry, he's kind of had some injury issues, and um, he really hasn't displayed kind of that, that suddenness that Nico Collins seemed to have uh, in the Senior Bowl. So I think that kind of has dropped him down uh, in, the, in, in the, the draft because of that. Some other guys, as we get later, you know, as we get later, players could go anywhere. So just some guys that you know, may, might take some flyers on later on. Um, Josh and Motor Bebe is a wide receiver out of Illinois that, you know, if, if – you know, you, you really like the height, weight, speed. Uh, he's got all of those things. Wasn't super productive at Illinois. Um, so there would definitely be some development time needed if you ended up with him. Um, a couple of other guys, Mike Strachan. Um, he's actually from Division Two, but he is 6'5", 225 pounds, and he ran a 4'5", Actually had pretty good change of direction times as well. Um, so if you read through, uh, Dane Brugler's write up on him, um, he calls him the division two chase Claypool, uh, who had a very, very good rookie year last year for the Steelers. So it's somebody I have, uh, just my eye on, uh, as we go through there. So what do you think of the wide receiver class? They're good. They're good. They're good. Okay. I wasn't really paying attention. No. How, how are you going to do your mock draft if you're not paying attention to... You're the one doing the mock draft. Okay. Next up. Tight ends. I really don't think that there's a massive need there. There are a couple of players that may fit what the Chiefs do pretty well. Unfortunately, I think they're going to be... The, the Chiefs' opportunity to take them is in the second round. And the value for how much they're going to be on the field, I don't think quite fits. Um, those two players are Brevin Jordan out of Miami. Um, you know, he kind of follows in a long line of Miami tight ends. They seem, the Miami Hurricanes seem to do a very good job of um, having tight ends that end up having success in the NFL. Hurricanes? The Miami Hurricanes. That is correct. Um so he kind of follows along in that line. Everybody was pretty excited about him. I know the Chiefs have talked to him 
Um, but when he came out and he did his testing at his pro day, it actually ended up pretty disappointing there. So, you know, he, he's somewhere in the second and third round. I definitely don't think he would last until the chiefs pick in the fourth round. Um, so I think if they wanted, they would either have to trade back with one of their second round picks, uh, or, um, take him with one of the second round picks. The other guy that is definitely intriguing is Tommy Tremble. He's a tight end out of Notre Dame, does not have a ton of catching production because he really wasn't asked to do that at Notre Dame. Now, if you look at all his physical traits, they line up with people with tight ends that have been productive in the NFL. Um, so it's definitely a projection, but he could be somebody who could end up being a very, very good tight end too. And one of the reasons that I think he would fit very, very well with the Chiefs as a tight end too, he's one of the best blocking tight ends in this draft. And that seems to be one of the things that Andy Reid asks for out of his tight ends, uh, specifically his tight ends too. Um, so like if you think of like a Blake Bell, he's been somebody who's been a very, very good blocker. And uh, so he's he's gotten multiple opportunities now since he's been signed back to be the tight end too here in the Chiefs offense. So he's somebody that could definitely be a fit. Um, as you look later in the draft, uh, you know, there's guys like Trey McKitty out of Georgia, Kenny Yaboa out of Ole Miss, um, Nick Eubanks from Michigan. Uh, all of those guys are, you know, I don't think there's really any chance that those guys would end up being starters at any point in the future, but definitely could be somebody that might be a fit in those later rounds at tight end. Next, we move on to the interior offensive line. In my mind, I think it's center specifically that the Chiefs would be looking at, although there is the potential that they could be looking at guard as well. Austin Blythe signed to a one-year contract at center. Right now, we really don't have anybody behind him. We have some guys that might be able to move over from guard and do it, but not anybody specifically behind him. Um, and then if you look at the guards, yes, we've got Joe Tooney under contract for five years, but if you look at the other side, uh, LDT and Kyle Long are both contracts both in expire by the end of this draft. So there is a potential that maybe later on in the draft they could draft a developmental guard. Um, said look at the other side, so I looked at the other side of the paper and it's blank. True. I meant look at the other side of the offensive line. <laughs> oh. Dang. So anyway, if you're looking at center prospects, there is Actually, it lines up fairly well with where the Chiefs have picks. There's a little grouping in the second round uh, of players who could come in and play center. And then there's a grouping in the fourth round where they've got their next pick. And then there's even some developmental guys that you might be able to get in the fifth round. Now, the guy who, if you look just strictly at on-the-field performance, would be the highest-rated center in this class, that would be Landon Dickerson out of Alabama. The problem with Landon Dickerson is four of the last six years that he's played, his seasons have ended with injuries. So there are, you know, if you look at just his play on the field, he definitely has a first-round grade. But with his injuries, it's kind of up in the air where he's actually going to end up getting drafted. So even though he has somebody who has played very, very well when he's on the field, 
he may still end up actually being there and available for the Chiefs with their second-round picks. So that can be another thing where, uh, like I was talking about last time, there wasn't really a combine this year, and one of the main things that teams do at the combine is look at medical issues and make sure that they have been resolved so they can get comfortable uh, with that. Um, and really, you know, they, they kind of had a medical combine thing, but I don't know if it was to the same level as a normal combine would have been. So I think that one is still potentially up in the air. Now, there's also the potential that they looked at his injuries and they didn't like the history and they've taken him completely off the board. So that one, I think, is just kind of a question mark. Um, when's the mock draft? It will be after we go through all these players. All of the players? Not every single player that's on your sheet, but okay, all the positions. Let's go through here. Okay, so we got Richie Grant. Nah, I don't know that we'll do that one. So uh, back to the interior offensive line. Uh, when you're looking in the second with the second round picks, there's two other guys that you can take a look at. Creed Humphrey, he's a center out of Oklahoma. He's definitely more of an athletic type center. Uh, he tested very, very well at the pro day, his pro day. Um, definitely an, a- an athlete uh, type of center, similar to the mold of uh, Austin Ryder. Um, one question about him is just his his play strength he seemed to be able to you know if there was if he was going up against a rusher that had a particularly good power move um, they definitely had the ability to push him back into uh, the pocket Um, one of the other guys that'll be available right around that time is named Quinn Miners he's what I saw him Uh, so he is somebody who was division three University of Wisconsin Whitewater uh, so he did not have a 2020 season because it was canceled, uh, but he did get the opportunity to go to the Senior Bowl, and he was going up against some of the best interior defensive linemen in the draft. And not only did he hold his own, he was actually the talk of the Senior Bowl week and the practices there as well. So uh, his stock has risen from somebody who was probably down in the sixth or seventh round to people are thinking right around the end of the second round is where he's going to end up going. So that's kind of a meteoric rise for a a player like that. But he's strong, uh, he's agile, and, uh, you know, I think he would be a great fit uh, for us, and that's definitely an option with probably our second, second round pick there. When you drop down into the third round, there's a couple of other guys that I think might be good fits there. Okay. Third or fourth round, I should say. Okay. Uh, Kendrick Green is a very, very athletic center prospect out of Illinois. Uh, he may end up going in the third round, though. There's always the potential he could drop. And if he does, I think he would be a great fit for our offense. Uh, another guy is David Moore. He is from Grambling. He's actually a really big dude. I think he's 6'4", 6'3", or 6'4", weighs about 350 pounds, or at least he did at the Senior Bowl. And he's a similar story to Quinn Miners. Uh, Grambling is not the biggest college, so he's kind of considered a small school guy. Showed up, was actually snapping the ball for the first time at the Senior Bowl practices, and he did very, very well there to the point that he is now, uh, you know, I think firmly entrenched in kind of those middle rounds as a, a developmental prospect 
um, and could be, you know, give you the flexibility of center or guard. Uh, the other guy to keep an eye on in this area is Drew Dalman. He's actually been uh, kind of climbing up boards recently. Um, definitely more of a technician. Um, he, he's got some decent athleticism, uh, but he would be somebody that, you know, would take a little bit of development time uh, before he would be ready. So he, he'd probably get a red shirt year of just sitting behind uh, Austin Blythe and, and learning the ropes. As we get down to the later rounds, there's just a couple of other guys that, that might fit uh, fight the bill. Definitely as developmental guys. Uh, Drake Jackson out of Kentucky. Uh, again, he's going to be kind of similar to uh, Drew Dalman and, and Creed Humphrey, the more athletic guys uh, that probably need to work on their strength a little bit. Um, or Trey Hill out of Georgia. He is definitely more of a, a muscular guy, um, and so he would – bring more strength to the position, uh, but athleticism wouldn't necessarily be what he's kind of known for. So I think those are some options, the center position that definitely could be able to come in and, and uh, you know, help out the Chiefs, uh, definitely be options for where we are picking. If we look at the edge board next, I think this is definitely a position that we've got um, a need at. You know, we lost Tano Passano, who was our starter and the, the end across from Frank Clark. And we also lost Alex Okafor, who I believe played the next most snaps over on that side of the ball. So uh, there are a lot of prospects uh, for the edge. This is a very good edge class. The second round specifically has a lot of players that I think would fit the mold of what uh, Steve Spagnolo likes in his edge, which are usually bigger guys uh, that can kind of translate speed into power when they're rushing. Um, and some of them would even have the ability to kick inside on rushdowns um, so that they can generate a little bit more pressure from the inside from a defensive tackle perspective. So a couple of guys that I don't think will make it down in there, but there might be the possibility. Jalen Phillips, he's actually, if you just looked at on-field stuff, would be considered one of the better pass rushers in the draft. The only reason that he might fall down to us He's had four concussions in his career, and he already retired from college football one time. So, you know, sometimes the, the teams don't like it if there might be a question of commitment um, or that medical red flag again because of all the concussions. So there is the potential he could fall down to the Chiefs pick, but I think that would be highly unlikely. The other guy that probably won't make it down to the Chiefs uh, in the second round, but I could see a way that he might fall, would be Jason Owe. He's Penn State defensive end. Uh, you probably heard about his pro day because he blew it out of the park. He ran four, three, six, forty time um, with you know fantastic movement skills. One of the things that he doesn't have, and the reason that he might fall, is because of production. He didn't have a single sack in the 2020 season. They played seven games with Penn State, kind of a limited schedule, but he did not have a single sack in those seven games. So the year before, he was only playing in a part-time role, and he got six and a half sacks. So he definitely is capable of getting to the quarterback. But if teams are a little weary of the lack of production in 2020, there might be a way that he could fall down, although I think it's unlikely. The guys that I think are more likely when you get down into the Chiefs' range, uh, Gregory Russo. Uh, he's a more definitely bigger and more physical end, uh, also from Miami, like Jalen Phillips. Um, 
the last time he played was also in 2019, but he got 15 and a half sacks, which I believe led the nation in 2019. Um, and then he opted out of the 2020 season. Uh, kind of the reason he was falling originally, he was kind of in that first round conversation, was uh, his measurables at his pro day weren't fantastic. Um, but I think his body type and his mold is definitely somebody that would fit what Spagnolo likes to do. A couple of other guys to keep an eye out, actually more than a couple. Uh, Joe Tryon out of Washington. Similar in style to Jason Owe, doesn't quite have the physical attributes that Jason Owe has, which is why he's a little bit further down here in the second round. Uh, but uh, unlike Owe, he actually did have uh, some sacks and some pretty decent production this past year. Another guy to keep an eye out on is uh, Carlos Basham. I believe he was Wake Forest or was he Vanderbilt? I'll have to figure that out. But uh, he's another guy who... Probably originally when this round started, or maybe it was at the start of the season, had a little bit of first-round buzz, but it's kind of fallen down a little bit. Uh, he's not an athletic freak. He's not the strongest dude in the world, uh, but he seems to do a pretty good job um, ending up near the quarterback. Um, he, he fits all the, the measurables that Spagnolo likes, um, so I think he's definitely an option there uh, with, with some of those second-round picks. Uh, a couple of other guys to take a look at. Joseph Osai out of Texas. He's a little bit of a smaller rusher, but I think you know he could put on a few pounds and meet those measurable requirements that Spagnolo has. Um, he's a younger guy, so he you know he's still got a little bit of developing to do, which is why he's down here in the second round. Um, but you know I think there's definitely potential with Osai to be a, a very good pass rusher in the near future. Uh, and the last guy I wanted to mention around this this area was Peyton Turner uh, out of Houston. Um, he is a very, very good um, player from Houston. Um, he's got a lot of that natural bend around the edge, but he's also got some power. So I think he, he might actually be a, one of the better fits um, for the Chiefs and somebody that I'm definitely, I've definitely got my eye on with that second pick there. Uh, when you drop down into the fourth round, um, you know there's always the possibility of a couple of guys falling. One of them is uh, Deo Odeyingbo. I believe he was from Vanderbilt. Um, and if you look at his tape, he probably falls somewhere in the second round. However, the last time that we saw him on the field, he actually tore his Achilles. So if he was somebody that would fall down into the end of the fourth, where we've got another pick, you know, it would basically be because he's likely going to miss the entire first season, uh, the, the 2021 season. And, uh, you know, that would be uh, a problem. Wouldn't necessarily get that on-field impact. But because of that, you know, there's the possibility that you could get a, a better player than uh, somebody getting picked in the fourth round would suggest. A couple of other guys to keep your eyes on with that fourth round pick. Dalen Hayes at a Notre Dame. Uh, he's another one of those guys, kind of like Gregory Lu Russo, uh, you know, stronger dudes. Uh, they, they win with power. Um, so, he, you know, his measurables aren't fantastic, uh, similar to Russo, um, but he's just a guy that fits that Spags mold. Um, and then another guy to keep your eye on, Ellerson Smith. This one's a little bit more of a projection. Uh, he came from the University of Northern Iowa, and I think he's got he's, – he's a bigger guy, but he's also got some, um, some of those measurables that you look for. Um, and the reason he's kind of a projection, obviously – uh, University of Northern Iowa is not known for 
pumping out a lot of football talent. So I'm not sure he's had the best coaching um, as far as technique goes. Uh, so there'll probably be a little bit of a, a learning curve with him. Um, but I think there's definitely the potential that you can really, really get uh, some value there uh, later on in the draft. Um, as far as the rest of the draft, there's not a ton of guys beyond him that really catch my eye. Um, that would be picks for the Chiefs later on in the draft. Linebacker is another uh, area that we've got a definite need at. Um, there's not a ton of linebackers available in this year's draft uh, that would make sense for the Chiefs. There is, however, a little pocket of them in the second round. So there's uh, Jamin Davis out of Kentucky. Um, he was actually recruited to Kentucky by Matt House, then was the defensive coordinator of the Kentucky Wildcats, now is the linebackers coach for the Kansas City Chiefs. So there's definitely some familiarity there. But um, he may not be available. He's been flying up the draft boards. So there's definitely the potential that he won't be there by the time we come up to pick. Uh, another one of the guys that might be a good fit for the Chiefs, Jabril Cox. Uh, he's a linebacker out of LSU. And he is definitely more of a coverage linebacker. Um, probably one of the best in the class, if not the best in the class. Um, actually was originally uh, at North Dakota State University, and then he had his grad transfer year this past season, transferred to LSU. Definitely was a big jump in uh, the level of competition, but he did great out there on the field this year. So I definitely think he's somebody who would have the ability to step in and, and really help the Chiefs specifically in coverage and might be available there at the end of the second round. When you get down into the into the fourth round, a couple of guys to keep your eyes on. Cameron McGrone uh, out of uh, Michigan. Um, he's definitely, I think he's got the potential to actually be a three-down linebacker. Um, he has struggled with injuries, um, and he's slightly undersized as well. But uh, if you put on his 2019 tape, uh, you need to be able to sit back and enjoy some sideline to sideline plays. Um, definitely has a little bit of work to do in coverage as well, um, but definitely I think has the athletic ability to be able to do that. Uh, Derek Barnes is another one. I believe he is from Purdue. Um, he, he does quite well in coverage. Um, and, you know, a little, again, uh, all these guys we're talking about down here are going to be projections. They're going to have to to start – you know, learning the defense and then learning the schemes. There are things that they haven't had a ton, haven't been asked to do a ton at the college level. Um, but, you know, that's the athleticism that you really look for in those circumstances. Um, Buddy Johnson is the one other guy uh, from Mississippi State. Um, he's almost completely a complete projection. He had fantastic measurables at his pro day um, and has kind of put him on the radar here in the later part of the draft. Beyond that, there's not really any guys that stick out to me uh, that would be great additions to our linebacker room. Mock draft time. Still got a, a couple more to go through before it's mock draft time. Um, but it will, um, you know, there's definitely the potential to add a linebacker here. Um, or there might be a lot of guys that end up going undrafted that we might have the ability to bring in, including Ben Neiman's brother, Nick Neiman. He's kind of projected very end of the draft. Um, so there is always the possibility that he may not get selected. 
All right. Next up is the cornerbacks. Now, the nice thing about the cornerbacks is there is a nice little pocket that starts right around the time that the Chiefs get on the clock in the second round. Before I jump into those guys, there is one guy that's kind of a wild card. Uh, just based off his talent, shouldn't be anywhere near where the Chiefs are drafting, but there's, again, injury concerns um, with him, uh, and that is Caleb Farley. He was a cornerback from Virginia Tech, um, and actually in the early parts of this uh, this uh, offseason, draft season, uh, he was in the conversation to actually be CB1 in this draft, right up there with uh, Patrick Sertain and J.C. Horn. Um, but news came out. He, he opted out of the 2020 season, college football season, um, and news came out right at the beginning of the draft process this draft season that he was having back surgery. And the problem with that is he had back surgery in 2019, and he didn't play in 2020. So essentially it's the second back surgery that he's had without playing a football game. So that's obviously raising some concerns. Um, again, with the uh, lack of a combine, um, teams aren't really having that great of a chance to uh, to uh, get the – you know, be able to assuage any fears about that back, um, you know, by, by meeting with him. Uh, so there is the possibility that Caleb Farley could fall down into the range where he's on the clock for the chiefs, but I'm going to continue as if that is not the case. He will go before, uh, it, it, he makes it down to the chiefs in the second round. So when we get down to the chiefs selections, it depends on what they want to do, but um, there will be options either way they want to go. So one of the options is to get a slot corner. Um, so that's a corner who's has the ability to play um, against those receivers playing in the slot. Um, usually they don't have to be quite as athletic in there, um, but they do have to have fairly good understanding of where they would fit into uh, the scheme and uh, usually some, some pretty good change of direction skills. Um, the other option they have is to get an outside corner. Uh, one thing I forgot to mention on the slot corner, what that would do is basically push Legereus Sneed, who played a lot of his time last season in the slot uh, onto the outside. So the other option they have is to draft uh, an outside corner. Uh, that would obviously allow Snead to stay where he's at. Um, and then, you know, this person would come on and, and uh, play against the outside receivers. So depending upon which way you go, there are prospects that fit uh, what, what we may want there. So if you're looking at slot corners, a couple of guys that are available right there. Um, be Asante Samuel Jr., um, who is the son of Asante Samuel, who was uh, pretty pretty good uh, corner for uh, probably most famously the Patriots um, in the early part of Tom Brady's reign. Uh, so his his son is now coming out, I believe, from Florida State, um, and is uh, has the makings of a pretty decent uh, pretty decent slot corner. 
um, just like his dad's got pretty good ball skills. Um, so that is an option uh, right around the time where the Chiefs are picking. Uh, another one is Elijah Molden. So Elijah Molden's uh, an, an undersized guy, um, but he is so smart. Uh, he just has a really, really good understanding of what he needs to do and where he needs to be. Um, he has drawn some uh, comparisons to Tyron Matthew. Um, so, uh, you know, long speed is his downfall. Uh, but, you know, within the, the chief scheme, and especially if they're using those, those three safety sets, uh, you know, long speed won't be something that will be um, – that big of an issue um, if we were to get him. Uh, some other some options if we look at the outside uh, corners, uh, a couple of guys that have been moving up the draft boards recently. Uh, Kelvin Joseph out of Kentucky. He's actually a redshirt sophomore that came out, so he's a pretty young dude. Um, and he, he's got great athleticism. Uh, but where he needs to work is, is on that technique, uh, as a red shirt sophomore, you know, he really didn't have a ton of opportunity to, uh, develop his craft there. Uh, certainly not as much as some of the, the juniors and seniors who, who are coming out in the class. Um, one of the other things that's uh, a concern with him, uh, he actually started his career at LSU, uh, and got kicked off the team and transferred to Kentucky. So, you know, there's probably some maturity concerns that would at least need to be assuaged before uh, he would be an option. But, I mean, he's got fantastic athleticism, you know, the length that you're looking for. So um, good, you know, probably prototypical size, I would say, for him. Uh, the other option for an outside corner right around that area is Afitu Melifanwu. And that last name may sound familiar to you. Uh, he had a brother uh, that came into the NFL a few years ago named Obi Melifonwu, who went to the Raiders. Uh, just like his brother, um, he's got terrific size, and the athleticism to go along with that size is very, very rare. Um, so, I mean, you know, great speed, great size. Shockingly, his brother went to the Raiders. Um, but... I think he is actually probably a better prospect than his brother. His brother was playing safety, um, but he has been playing outside corner uh, for his career. Um, Steve Spagnuolo likes those long, like the lengthy corners, tall corners, and has been willing to you know give up some of the athleticism in order to have that. So. Like you think of Bashad Breland, he's not the most athletic guy, doesn't have the greatest long speed, um, but he's got good length, he's got good physicality. Um, so those are kind of the trade-offs uh, for Spags in that system. With Melifonwu, he's got the size, he's you know got the physicality, but he's got the athleticism to go along with it. So this may be another one of those projection-type picks. I think he's further along than Joseph. Um, but I think it's somebody who could definitely fit Spags' scheme very, very well. Uh, we move back a little bit later uh, into the draft, uh, looking around our, our fourth, fifth round picks. Um, it, it's it's kind of hard to 
get uh, a feeling for who is still going to be there. Because uh, depending upon what article you read or, or which analyst you look at, the scores are kind of all over the place for some of these guys. So I'm just going to highlight some guys that I like. They may not be there. They may be long gone by the time that uh, you know that that we come around to these picks. But at least I'll throw out some names there of guys that I like. Um, so one of them is uh, a small school guy, uh, Robert Rochelle. So he is from central Arkansas. Um, you know, uh, he is obviously uh, from a small school guy. You're going to have some technique stuff. That's not the great, the coaching at that level is not perfect, but he is a fantastic athlete. Um, if you've listened to Arrowhead Pride, uh, Craig Stout uh, does a lot of athleticism testing, um, and uh, you know he he always mentions a CBAT score. And if there's any athletes that test with a CBAT score in you know CBAT score of one, um, the the likelihood of success is increased for those players. So Legarius Sneed got a CBAT score of one. Uh, you know, the, the prior year, there was a couple of corners that got that score and they were very successful in their rookie seasons. So uh, Robert Rochelle has that CBAT score, uh, 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 that top tier CBAT score. Um, so, you know, he is somebody, you know, it, that can be an indicator uh, of success in the NFL. Um, and he's got that athleticism, obviously would need a little bit more development, but uh, definitely would have the potential that you could you could bank on there. Um, another guy, uh, Benjamin St. Just out of, um, Minnesota. This is another length guy. And, and I think he, he fits, you know, he, he's not a great athlete, which is why he may be available down in this round, but he's six foot three and he knows how to use his length. Um, so, you know, if you get guys in there that really know how to use their length, uh, in spag systems, long speed, it's okay. Um, you know, he ran a four five two forty at his pro day. So, you know, it's, uh, it's somebody that I think could slot into the system and be successful, uh, you know, as, as a role player, quality depth, uh, early in his career. And, and, and then, you know, as, as he grows, maybe move into a, a starter role. Um, but definitely somebody that fits the system. The last guy I wanted to touch on uh, is uh, Israel Mukwamu uh, out of South Carolina. Um, this one actually may end up being, he may end up being a, a safety transition, excuse me, a safety transition. Um, but again, he's got huge size. He is uh, 6'4", 212. Um, Came out after his junior season. Um, I think he actually opted out partway through the season this past season. Um, but, you know, he's a big dude. He's got a little bit decent athleticism for his size. Um, so, you know, it just kind of fits into that mold of, of, of bigger guys that, that Spags seems to like. So I think that is most of the guys that I wanted to hit on as far as the corners go. There are definitely a lot more of them. Um, actually, there's one, one guy that I forgot to talk about. And um, 
you know, will be around, um, hopefully, potentially be around our fourth or fifth round picks. It's Marco Wilson out of Florida. Um, this is another athleticism guy. Uh, you know, he's, he's got, he's got a ton of it. Um, and so, um, so it's five eleven and a half, one hundred ninety one pounds, but he ran a four three four forty at his pro day. Uh, Twenty two years old, so he'll be pretty pretty young uh, for his rookie season. Um, you know, Florida's SEC school, so you know he's got he's gone up against some pretty good competition. Um, one of the drawbacks for him is he has had two ACL surgeries. Um, already in, in his career. So, uh, you know, that's something potentially working against him. Um, but, I mean, he's got fantastic athleticism. Wasn't necessarily a playmaker. Um, only had three interceptions during his collegiate career, uh, all three of them coming in the, in one year. Um, and, you know, it's... He, he's got the athleticism, which is why he's he's in this range. Um, but there's definitely some other parts of his game that we could probably use a little bit of uh, improvement uh, to really be an impact player. All right, so then the last section that I wanted to talk about is the safeties. Now, looking at our safeties right now, I think we've got the guys that are going to be our starters. Um, Tyron Matthew, Juan Thornhill, Daniel Sorensen. The reason that I wanted to spend a little time talking about the safeties is because Daniel Sorensen's 32 years old. Um, usually, you know, he's a smart player, not necessarily known for has his speed or athleticism or anything like that. But certainly once you reach a certain age, um, that can really, really work against you. Um, Sorensen's only on a one-year contract, so I don't think that they are necessarily – tied to him beyond this year, I would say. So it might not be a bad idea to use one of their fourth, fifth round picks to see if they might be able to find somebody who can work into his role and become his understudy and then ultimately replace him after the season's done. So there are a couple of guys that I wanted to point out here that I think would fit that mold very well. Uh, I'm not sure if they will be available by the time our fourth round picks comes around. I don't see us using one of our two seconds uh, to, to take a, you know, you know, to take a safety. Um, I don't think the value is there, um, at the point that we'll be picking, you know, there's no first round grades on any of the, the safeties. Second round, I've only got two. So you know, like, I don't, I don't think that the value is really there, uh, where we're picking, uh, to, to get the safety, uh, specifically the one that would be able to replace Sorensen. So looking at that fourth, fifth round, a couple of guys to look at. Um, Divine Diablo, which is a great name for a safety, uh, especially one who's more in the um, physical box type safety, um, similar to what Sorensen does. You know, Sorensen will line up in uh, as, as like a dime linebacker. Um, so... You know, Divine Diablo will have, you know, he, he's got the size to be able to do that. Um, it's a 6'3", 226, reign of 4'4", 40 at his pro day. Um, so, 
I mean, he's got the, the physical characteristics um, that you would look for to definitely be able to take over eventually, um, if not push him right now. Uh, obviously, the instincts are the thing that Sorensen's really, really good at. Um, so, you know, that would be something to, to keep in mind as that was happening. But uh, I think he would probably be my top guy. If he's there, he may be long gone by that point. Um, another Another guy that... I think would be an interesting fit uh, in that spot would be Tyree Gillespie from Missouri. Um, so he's five eleven and three quarters, two hundred and seven pounds. Ran a four four two forty at his pro day. Um, the thing that really attracted me to him is if you watch the tapes uh, against Florida, you'll see him go up against. Kyle Pitts, who is the top-rated tight end in this draft, and it wasn't easy on the on the plays where you know um, those two are going head to head. It wasn't easy for Pitts. Um, Gillespie definitely held his own. And if you think about our defense, one of the things that can be frustrating at certain points is if Sorensen ends up on a tight end. Um, you know, it definitely seems like quarterbacks can target him. And if you can get somebody like Gillespie who can stick with a Kyle Pitts, I think that might be do something to, you know, improve the the coverage ability specifically underneath um, for our defense. So I I know his, his weight uh, only 207 pounds is not, you know, not what you would think of for like a dime linebacker role, but He's very, very physical. He's not afraid to come up and and uh, and put a hit on somebody. Um, there's clips if you if you look at, at some of the stuff that he's done, uh, specifically against Alabama. There was a play where he actually made a stop uh, on Najee Harris um, from Alabama at the goal line. He it was one on one. He was the only guy that was free. Najee Harris was coming straight downhill trying to get into the end zone, and Gillespie stood him up, kept him out of the end zone. Um, and, you know, Najee Harris, depending upon who you're talking to, is the highest rated running back in this draft class um, and is known for his physicality. So being able to do that, you know, if you can get a guy who's good in coverage and, you know, good against the run, I think that could be something that might actually give a different facet to the defense if he's he's out there um, in that uh, – in the role that Dan Sorensen's currently playing. Now there's some consistency issues with him, which is why he's down in that area. Um, after, you know, after me telling you how good he did against some of these top rated players, there are definitely some consistency issues, which might put, push him down, um, the board into the area where he might be available for us at this point. Um, a couple of other guys that I just wanted to pull out. Um, Jamie Sherwood from Auburn and Jacoby Stevens from LSU. Both of these guys would be, you know, in the bigger safeties, uh, you know, in the two twenties um, with the idea that they're going to be, um, you know, your, your dime linebackers, your more, your more physical box, box safeties. Um, and so, you know, both of those guys have SEC experience. 
Um, they've got the size to be able to play both as, you know, a safety and, uh, you know, that dime linebacker. So those are some of the guys that, uh, that might be able to step in there uh, from the safety perspective. So um, I think that kind of gets us through uh, the board uh, and the positions that I think we've got needs and where that might line up with where we are picking. So we will take a little break, and when we come back, me and Gavin will go through a mock draft and tell you all our results. See you in a bit. Did I look like, did I look like Lamar? Look at that juke. That's, that's as close as I can get right there. All right, welcome back in. Now we are going to do a mock draft uh, using the, the Draft Network Mock Draft Simulator. So, Gav, you got your draft board ready? Yep. All right, let's get it started. Okay, so it is rolling through, and we are just waiting for the Chiefs to come up on the board with one of their two second-round picks. I already seen a few of the guys who I listed as potential falls coming off the board before we get to our pick. Three, two, one. Okay, we're doing it. All right. So I've seen quite a few of the guys that I listed off for you come off the board here um, with this second round pick before we get on the clock. So, as far as the centers, Landon Dickerson's already gone. Creed Humphrey is gone. Uh, Jamin Davis, the linebacker, is off the board. Um, Edge Rusher's off the board. Uh, Gregory Russo is off the board. Carlos Basham's off the board. Peyton Turner's off the board at this point. What about, uh, what about Dime Brown? He is on the board. Boy, I see him. You want to go for him? Just taking a look through at some of the other players that are available right now. Um, Ronnie Perkins, I didn't touch on him too much, but I kind of th- see him as a uh, little bit behind Joseph Osai, who is also still on the board. Um, Draft bad ones because they're going to the Rams. What? No, the Rams just took Wyatt Davis. We're the ones on the clock right now. So, also available, a running back, which we don't care about at this point in the draft, a tackle, which I think we're good on for now. No, I'm saying, like, what about the trade? What trade? Orlando Brown. That's the Ravens, not the Rams. Also, uh, safety Jamar Johnson's on there. I think it's a little bit too early for us to take him there. Uh, a couple of interior defensive linemen on the board. We're all set there. Um, and then the two tight ends that I talked about a little bit earlier in the draft. So with what we're seeing right there, who do you think our pick should be, Gav? Your guy. Your guy. Which guy? Diame Brown. I think that's a good pick. Let's do it. What's his name? Diami Brown. 
You ready? Let's click it in. Y'all. Diamond Brown, number 58. Okay, now let's wait another hour. That actually was only a few picks later. We are still on the board. So what we're seeing now, as far as uh, not much has changed. The wide receiver came off the board. Ronnie Perkins came off the board. The tackle came off the board since our last pick. So what we're seeing right now, we've got Joseph Osai, uh, developmental edge out of Texas, is still on the board. Uh, we got Tommy Tremble, the tight end from Notre Dame. Brevin Jordan, the tight end from Miami. And we got Quinn Miners, uh, the interior offensive lineman. Um, Chiefs would probably use him as the center um, from uh, University of Wisconsin, Whitewater. Available. Also out there, looks like uh, as far as corners go, Avitu Melifanwu that I that I touched on. Um, he is he is there right now. Linebacker board. Uh, it, it, the value is gone there. Um, so I think that pretty much rounds out what would be available and, and a fairly good value for us here at this second second round pick. Um, so I'm going to give you some options. You let me know what you think. Joseph you think we should do Joseph Osai? Osai. Uh, the edge out of Texas. You think we should do Tommy Trimble, the tight end from Notre Dame? Brevin Jordan, the tight end from Miami? Or Quinn Miners, the center from... Um, University of Wisconsin Whitewater. Joseph Osai. All right, let's do it. He's the highest one up. All right, so so far we filled the hole that we've got at wide receiver, and we filled the hole that we've got at edge rusher right now. So obviously we've got a little bit of a wait here. Our next pick's not till the end of the fourth round. So while we're going through there, you know, I think our our needs, um, you know, things we should take a look at, see who's there. Linebacker, cornerback, um, tight end is definitely something we can keep our eye on. I'm, I'm barely even looking here. Potentially a safety. Okay, so I'm going to look at the interior offensive line. All right, I think that's... Uh, a good idea. Oh, yeah. Sorry. We took Joseph Osai with the last one. So we definitely still need a center here. A so, center? Yep. Yeah, which is what an interior offensive lineman is. And any of those guys that have a little C next to them on there uh, would, would be a center. What, what round are we in? We are now at the very end of the fourth round. Our pick is up on the board. So looking at who's available on the board is. right here. We actually have a couple of options here for guys who can play center. David Moore out of Grambling. Um, he's a bigger guy. Michael Mennett. Um, he, uh, he's not. I don't see him on the board currently. Um, Drew Dalman is also here and available. Uh, those two guys have got rated pretty close together on our, in our draft board. Um, looking at other things that are av available right here. Um, if we look around a little bit. I saw David Moore. David Moore is there. Yep. Those are the 
I said David Moore and Drew Dalman are still on the board right now. The one of those two is probably going to end up being our pick, but I just want to take a look around the board and see if there's anybody out there who might be a good fit for us. Um, we got to be a good team. Okay, so linebacker. Wow. Looks like Monty Rice is there. Um, corner, not great value currently um, at corner. Uh, Marco Wilson is there. There's a few other guys ahead of him that I'm not particularly interested in. So one, um, maybe they might fall. See if he might fall to our second, or sorry, to our uh, our fifth round pick. One of our two fifth round picks. Um, tight end. There's not really value there right now, so we'll hold off on that one for now. So I think we should focus in on our interior offensive linemen. So we got David Moore. And Drew Dalman. So which one of those two guys do you think should be the one that should be the new center for the Chiefs? David Moore. All right. We are going to take him. David Moore. New developmental center for the Kansas City Chiefs. All right. Now we're always waiting to go through and see who will be available with our fifth round picks. Looks like Marco Wilson did come off the board there. He will not be an option. All right, so we are back up on the board. Oh, yeah, finally. I just took like a two-hour nap there. Nope. All right, so as we take a look on the board, uh, areas that we still probably could add somebody, we got tight end, linebacker, corner, safety, I think would be the best options. Uh, we can deviate from that, though, if if there's not really any good value available. Tight end. Um, looks like Trey McKitty is still out there. We've got another pick coming up in six picks, though, so potentially uh, we can save him for that, or we can take him now if other value doesn't present itself. Take him, take him. Take him, linebacker, take him. Uh, the value's not great right there now. Not really anybody I'm interested in. I think um, Buddy Johnson's on the board, but I think he'll still be there with our sixth round pick. So I'm going to be targeting him there. Cornerback. Wait, what are you just looking at? Linebacker. Cornerback. I don't really like what I'm seeing at cornerback either. Um pass on that one for now and then safety is the last one it looks like most of the good safeties are off the board already as well so this i've been doing a few of these and obviously this is not uh nfl decision makers doing this so it's going to be completely different than it is on draft night but one thing i am finding is that the gap between those two second round picks, and then when we come up on the board in the fourth and then the fifth round, um, a lot of the talent that I've got identified here uh, has been gone by the time we pick. So there's always the potential that maybe with one of those second round picks, they move back and try and pick up additional picks so that they don't miss out on some of these big gaps in talent. Um, but we've got the, the board the way it sits right now. Um, I think... You said you wanted to go ahead and take Trey McKitty, Gavin? Well, yeah. Do you say you want to go ahead and take Trey McKitty? Yeah. All right, we'll take him. All right, now we are just a few picks later. 
Um, board still looks kind of the same. Uh, a few more safeties went off the board. Running back and edge rusher went off the board. So take a look around and see where the value is on the board right now. Honestly, there's quite a few wide receivers still available out there um, that we could take a look at. Let's take a look at the running back board here. I don't think that's a huge need for us, but uh, you know we've got our two main guys, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and uh, Daryl Williams. Behind that, you know, we lost Le'Veon Bell this offseason. We still have Darwin Thompson, a smaller guy. Uh, but we love the past few years we've gone into the season with four. Um, throughout the season, we may lose one or another one. So I think this is a range that maybe picking one up, you know, might be able to provide us with some decent value. Uh, looks like we've got um, Khalil Herbert on the board. Uh, he's running back most recently from Virginia Tech, but played a majority of his collegiate career at the University of Kansas, um, who might be a good selection. Um, another one that's there, um, Kine Nwangwu out of Iowa State. <laughs> and uh, he is a, an athletic freak. He tested off the charts at his pro day uh, with Iowa State. Uh, very, very fast, very, very good measurables uh, on a lot of the other tests that he did. So he would be an option as well that one, right that there. One, that one, Which one? That one. The fast guy? Yeah. Okay. Kine Nwangwu out of Iowa State is that the pick. That is so hard to pronounce. All right, now we've got our sixth round pick Can coming up. Kansas. Can't, uh, yes, guy Kansas. We just drafted a running back. We don't need a second one. Oh. All right. So this is our last pick of the draft. So let's just take a look at where we still think we've got needs. Linebacker, cornerback, and safety, I say, were potential holes that we could fill in right now. Um, so let's take a look at who's available for those positions. Buddy Johnson is available. I mentioned that we could target him in the sixth. He is still sitting there. That guy could be a good uh, developmental middle linebacker for the future or whenever Anthony Hitchens is no longer on the Chiefs. Uh, he could be somebody who potentially could step in uh, with a little bit of development time. Um, if we look at the corners, um, Shakur Brown out of Michigan State is there. Um, he you know, could be a decent guy for this area of the draft. Uh, Rashad Wild Goose. Out of Wisconsin. Uh, he's a guy, very, very young, uh, coming out. Um, definitely has a little bit of development to do, but he's got some nice physical skills. Um, as we move over to safety, most of the safeties are off the board that have a draftable grade here. So I think we'll probably pass on the remaining safeties. All right, so I'm going to give you a choice between... Buddy Johnson, the linebacker. I was going to choose him in the first place. Oh, you were? Yeah. All right. Well, then I won't. You want your other options or you just want to pick him? Him. Okay. All right. 
So we have taken all of our picks, and while the rest of the board is running through here, we can just go through what we did today with our first pick in the second round, number 58 overall, we took... Diamond Brown. From North Carolina. With our second pick, at number 63 overall, we took... Joseph Osai. Osai. The Edge from Texas. With our next pick, which was number 144 in the fourth round, we took... David Moore. Uh, The center prospect uh, could also play guard uh, from Grambling. With our next pick, number 175 in the fifth round, we took... Trey McKitty. A tight end from Georgia. With pick 181 in the fifth round, we took... Can you get that one? Kenny, uh, hang on, hang on. Nope. Uh, <laughs> That's way too hard. Nwongwu. I nearly had it. Running back out of Iowa State. And with our last pick. I was, we wondering, t- I was wondering if the in was silent or if it was actually there. Uh, no, it's actually there. Uh, with our last pick in the sixth round, number 207 overall, we took. Buddy Johnson. Buddy Johnson, the linebacker out of Texas A&M. What are all those numbers? Which numbers? Uh, that was the number pick overall that they took him at. Oh. Um, so, are you pretty happy with uh, what we got in our haul from the draft? Yeah. Yep, I think we definitely um, got some guys that could be starters or definitely potential starters here in the first round. We got some guys that given a chance to... To learn and develop, might be able to turn into starters a couple years down the road, uh, if not next year. And, uh, you know, with our six picks there, I think we definitely added some talent to the roster at positions that we needed. So, I think we're sitting in a pretty good spot. So, I'm happy with who we got here. Um, I'm, I'm wished maybe a couple more guys would have fallen down in the fifth round there, but... Um, overall, you can't be too upset with fifth round picks. All right. Well, that's everything that we have going on for the draft preview episode. Hope everybody gets the opportunity to enjoy, uh, the draft over the next few days. Um, obviously the chiefs won't have a pick on Thursday night, uh, unless they trade back into it, I should say. But, uh, Second day, got two picks in the round, uh, so that should be nice and exciting to add some talent to our team. And then a third day, always the longest one, we have a few picks in there to add to the roster. Nice! So, I think we will leave it there for our draft preview episode. If you could follow or subscribe to the podcast if you enjoyed what you heard, Uh, We should be available anywhere that you can find your podcasts. Uh, We would also appreciate uh, if you could follow us on Twitter. We are at Podcast Chiefs on Twitter. Uh, You follow us, we will follow you back. And finally, um, you can leave a voice message for the podcast. And if you do, we may feature you on a future episode. Uh, We will have the link for how to uh, leave that voice message for us uh, in the podcast notes. 
Anything else you'd like to add, Gav? How about those Chiefs? We will see you next time.